Welcome to Sports Weekly with Ayaz Memon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Sports Weekly with Ayaz Memon. It's been, as always, a very action-packed week, and the IPL is again at the forefront of all of the action that's happening. And as always, we've got Ayaz here to chat with us about that. The FIH Junior World Cup, where the women are up for a medal. And as always, there'll be a roundup by Samuel Arora on F1, the English Premier League, and the Mumbai City win in an ACL match. But before anything else, good afternoon, Ayaz. Good afternoon, Mr. Fantastic. As you mentioned, IPL is on, you know, is top of the mind everywhere uh, in in the sports industry or the sports environment, and certainly so in India. And we've had actually a very dramatic two weeks and some is you, you you can experience the volatility in the points table teams have been going up and down but more than that what's happened i think the story of the first fortnight is the utter struggle in fact the haplessness of defending champions chennai super kings and five times former champions mumbai indians both of whom have yet to register a win they are languishing at the bottom of the points table no points as yet in fact the last 3 4 days have been unusual and offbeat if i might say that because in the first 8 10 days it seemed that the weakest team in the league this year would was was sunrisers hyderabad they just couldn't get anything going and then suddenly in the last 4 days they've beaten chennai super kings and more than that they've beaten gujarat titans who had been unbeaten so far in the three matches they had played so sunrisers hyderabad coming uh, coming up strongly we've had rajasthan royals after a bit of a blip starting winning again delhi capitals is winning again so it's becoming a very crowded scenario at the top of the table in fact there's a melee going on uh, for points and for net run rate there is a kkr there's rajasthan royals there's rcb there's lucknow super giants there's gujarat titans and now of course sunrisers hyderabad also pulling themselves up so i think this is going to be the next 8 10 days are going to be really exciting and really you know matches have been close as we know but i think there's going to be a lot of jostling and a lot of teams going up and down the points table uh, in the next week or 10 days and that's going to determine uh, which which teams go into the playoffs remember only four teams go into the playoffs this year there are 10 teams now realistically i think we can discount two teams from making into the playoffs barring a miracle that is mumbai indians and chennai super kings they've lost four matches each for them to reach the playoffs means that not only they have to win all their remaining matches and and by decent or very good margins but also the other teams that are right now in the top 4 or 5 slots in the points table they start beating each other by by, by wide margins now that's is possible mathematically but highly unlikely so what has happened is a 10 team tournament after about 2 weeks has virtually become an 8 team tournament it doesn't mean that the intensity of struggle and battle will reduce it just means that right now we are down to virtually 8 teams of which four will make it into the playoffs absolutely and i just want to actually spend a little more time on figuring out what is the real problem in the mumbai camp and in the chennai camp uh, steven fleming has gone so far as to say uh, that the self belief of the chennai super kings is shaken and over the years we've known them to be one of the most confident teams uh, never affected by any adversity a loss was always taken in their stride but uh, this is extremely unusual four losses on the road a new captain and they clearly don't look settled as a unit seem a little directionless as well do you agree absolutely in fact they look clueless to me they've been actually performing so poorly that it's a shock 
for anybody who's followed CSK's progress over the last 14-15 years, neither are the newcomers performing. Somebody like a Ruturaj Gaikwad who was so good in the past two seasons, nor are the old-timers performing like say uh, Ravinder Jadeja or even Ambati Raidu, Robin Uttappa. These guys have played some cameos, but Moin Ali, he's also you know, done reasonably well, you might say, but not enough to make the team win. And I think the biggest disappointment has been Ravinder Jadeja, who's an ace all-rounder amongst the best in the world, but he hasn't been able to get going with bat or ball. And of course, he's also captain. He seems to be weighed down by the responsibility. And I, I, I have this thing in going on in my mind, Mr. Fantastic, that did they really have to make him captain? And you go back a little further in time, that if you were going to look for a new captain, then why did you let go of Faf Duplessis? Because he was an ideal choice. He's been captaining South Africa for a long time. He's played leagues across the world where he's captained and played as a batsman. Uh, you know, they could have used him as the transition captain and then chosen Jadeja maybe a year later or whatever. Right now, what they've got is, is a big muddle because uh, they don't seem to have the talent or the wherewithal uh, to win matches. They don't have a captain who's... Uh, been able to manage his resources, not not entirely his fault. I'm not blaming Jadeja, but nothing seems to be falling in place. And therefore, I think they're being thoroughly exposed. I also think that they made some blunders in the mega auction, much as Mumbai Indians did. You know, they let go of players uh, who were invaluable to the team. Now, let me just spend a little time on Mumbai Indians. They let go of Trent Bolt, who's now with Rajasthan Royals and doing a fantastic job. In fact, he had, he's wreaking havoc. He's wreaking havoc, and he, he he took his he got his own back against Mumbai Indians when RR played Mumbai, and then they also let go of Quinton Dickock, who's been absolutely marvelous for Lucknow Super Giants. So, what has happened with Mumbai? They've got Rohit Sharma, but they are not they haven't got a decent start at all this uh, this season. Rohit Sharma not getting runs, and then they've got Kyron Pollard, who's been a hero for many of their in many of their matches in previous seasons. He's just not got going at all. So they don't have a, the finishing prowess. There's no Hardik Pandya. There's no Kyron Pollard. Rohit Sharma struggling for runs. There's no Quinton Dickock. There's no Trent Bolt. You know, they punted on a few newcomers, but it's just not coming together. The team is not, you know, getting... You don't see a cohesive CSK team on the field or a cohesive Mumbai Indians team on the park. And that is, you know, it's becoming very evident that the struggle is enormous for them to manage their affairs with the resources that they've got. Absolutely. Well, those teams do have a lot to solve for. But uh, mathematically, and you spoke about this, there is a chance that they'll make it. But do you realistically see a massive change in form over the next uh, two or three weeks where these teams can go on a winning run? Well, it's happened in the past, especially in Mumbai Indians' case. And that's part of the IPL folklore that they keep losing and losing at the start of the tournament. And then they have a massive turnaround and they start winning and win, keep winning till the end. Now, uh, you know, it, it's it's fact. It's not fiction. But to expect it to happen every now and then is also, uh, I think, a little far-fetched. More so when it looks like the team is so short uh, on on depth and balance. I mean, apart from a Surya Kumar Yadav who lived up to potential, none of the other Mumbai players have shown uh, the the qualities that were expected of that is expected of a five-time champion. Yes, they've got a newcomer in Bruce who looks very capable. South African under-19 youngster who's doing an extremely good job in the limited opportunities that he's got. But you need, I mean, the only realistic way that Mumbai Indians can make it to the playoffs is if Rohit Sharma starts. 
you know, playing the big knocks. Surya Kumar Yadav's form is sustained. Ishan Kishan comes into his own. More than that, Kyron Pollard uh, starts uh, scoring runs for the, for, you know, to give the totals that Mumbai can defend. Jasprit Bumrah uh, has, has bowled extremely well. Not at his best, but he's bowled extremely well. Some of the other bowlers have been looking very good, including M. Ashwin. But it's not looking like Mumbai of old, where they would defend even modest totals with a, a lot of vigor and a lot of conviction. Nor is it looking in the batting a team which can chase down big totals. Forget about, uh, or even modest totals, frankly. Forget about big totals. So this is going to be a real struggle for Mumbai to emerge from, you know, the they are mired in mediocrity right now, including CSK, I might say. CSK, if anything, look a little worse to me because they just don't seem to have... One noteworthy performance so far in this tournament. And what about the captaincy? Uh, Rohit Sharma is no longer an inexperienced captain. He's been captaining India. Yes, the team performances will affect how his leadership is also seen. But do you just think he looks a little bereft of ideas? I think what happens is, especially in the T20 format, captains have to lead from the front. If you're going to be a passenger, it's not possible. So if Rohit is not getting runs and everybody looking at Rohit to, for inspiration, for sustenance, and it's not happening, then it reflects, starts reflecting on his captaincy. Uh, I don't think that tactically he's kind of, you know, gone behind. Uh, he, he's still the same old Rohit Sharma who was, uh, in many people's opinion, a master uh, tactician along with MS Dhoni. But if the, the team is not doing well, and more importantly, he's not doing well. And that's becoming, a, you know, a big cross to bear for the team. Well, let's hope that those two teams are able to pull themselves out of the rut. Uh, but there are some other teams, like we spoke, who are doing phenomenal. And two standout performances for me. Uh, Pat Cummins, absolutely bludgeoning that 50 last week. And Rahul Tivatia hitting two sixes of the last ball. I mean, how crazy were those two to win those games for their respective teams? Absolutely. I mean, Rahul Tivatia is a bit of a maverick, isn't he? He's had these kind of performances in the past, not as melodramatic as the one we saw this match. Uh, against Punjab. I mean, Punjab seems to be, uh, you know, he seems to have a penchant for for going after the Punjab team. He's done that in previous seasons also, if you remember when the matches were being played in the UAE. This time, to get to 12 runs of the last two balls and he gets them off sixes is quite extraordinary. Of course, Punjab have themselves to blame uh, and poor Odeon Smith letting go of that overthrow or, uh, you know, allowing, yeah. bringing the equation I mean, watch, down watch to 12. <laughs> yeah, watching deliveries. that live, you... You kind of were thinking that, did he just do that where it was absolutely unnecessary? And he'd had a really good over till that point. He had. And it's, it seems also, I mean, you know, comical when you watch it. Because when you see it out after in hindsight, it, it looks like a, a, a no-brainer that you, you don't, do, don't attempt it. Because, uh, you know, if you have to get 13 runs of two balls, you win the match. Uh, if you don't concede 13 runs. And there he went and conceded those runs. Pat Cummins, most extraordinarily knock. You know, 15 balls, 56 runs. Uh, bludgeoned Mumbai, as you mentioned. And it just shows his growing stature and prowess in international cricket. In my opinion, Mr. Fantastic, Pat Cummins is the best all-format cricketer going around in the world today. In in Pakistan, he was successful as a bowler, mighty successful against England in the Ashes, as a bowler and as a captain in ODIs, in T20s, in test matches. He's been performing everywhere. And now that he's also beefing up uh, in his batting, who is his competitor? You know, I think that there are very few who can command uh, this kind of uh, these kind of performances in all formats. I mean, that 56 of 15 balls or his 50, which actually came of 14, uh, tied him for the fastest 50 ever in the IPL. And I think 
it also further mentally affected the Mumbai team who were on track till his innings to maybe notch up their first win. And I don't think they can recover from that. Yeah, I mean, look, Mumbai lost their first match to to Delhi Capitals when Akshar Patel and Shardul Thakur and Lalit Yadav hammered them in the in the slog overs. That was a match also which Mumbai normally would have won against KKR in the match in which uh, Pat Cummins went berserk. They should have won that match after they got Andre Russell uh, Andre Russell's wicket because then virtually all threat was over from KKR. But then they found a man in Pat Pat Cummins and Mumbai frankly didn't know what to do including Jasprit Bumrah. He didn't know where to bowl to Pat Cummins. So, it's not been a good good season at all for Mumbai. They've struggled with bat and with ball and hardly looked a champion team. Absolutely. Well, I want to quickly look uh, back and just a couple of interesting thoughts come to mind. One is, are the overseas players having a better IPL than ever before? It would seem so, Mr. Fantastic, because uh, you mentioned fat Pat Cummins and Andre Russell who've done well for uh, KKR. Andre Russell finding his own old mojo and batting like he did uh, in the earlier years. I thought Tim Saudi also bowled extremely well for them. So too Sunil Narayan. So you've got in KKR one team, the overseas players doing extremely well. Then you move to a team like Rajasthan Royals. There's Joss Butler who's doing, who's been fantastic at the top of the order. He's the only guy who's made a century. Trent Bolt, you mentioned, has been marvellous uh, uh, with, with the new ball. So these are the two overseas players who've done extremely well for Rajasthan Royals. We haven't seen much of overseas players so far in uh, RCB except for Fab Duplessis, but he's been batting well. And more importantly, I think he stamped his authority as a captain. Now we've got Glenn Maxwell, who's joined in in the previous match, and uh, Josh Hazelwood will join shortly. So that'll make make uh, RCB also also very strong. Gujarat Titans uh, is one team which I quite fancy, and they've got Rashid Khan, who's a perennial. Uh, front runner amongst bowlers in the IPL, and he's he's been having a, a good season also in this in this tournament. Uh, Lucknow Super Giants also benefiting from uh, Evan Lewis, somebody like, you know who's been very good at the top of the order. So I, I mean, just instead of listing all names, by and large, all overseas players seem to be doing well. The only teams which are struggling, as I mentioned, are uh, Mumbai Indians and CSK. Kaizen Pollard not performing for Mumbai. Moin Ali. Just there and thereabouts, not as influential as one would have thought because he's one of the players retained for CSK. So, it's it's a bit of a, you know, yes and no, where overseas players are concerned. But by and large, uh, these guys have been actually delivering for their franchises, except a few. And interestingly, on the bowling side, we see a lot of spinners making a mark. Yuzvain uh, the Chahel having an outstanding season so far. Kuldeep Yadav, Anindu Hasaranga, uh, Rahul Chahar. But at the same time, there's also the fast bowlers who are making early impact. So it's a very unique situation in, in, in an Indian setting where fast bowlers are also having a good time. Actually, then the credit must be given to the curators and the guys who made the pitches because there seems to be some help for fast bowlers. Fast bowlers have been successful. Uh, we've seen Avesh Khan, Mohammad Shami, Trent Bolt, even Harsh Harshal Patel. He's done marvelously well for RCB. And also the wrist spinners. What you mentioned, all these bowlers are wrist spinners. You know, whether it's uh, Ravi Bishnoi, uh, Hasaranga, Rahul Chahar, Yuzvendra Chahal, Kuldeep Yadav, all these guys, wrist spinners, are doing extremely well in this tournament. That's bound to happen if the pitches also help the fast bowlers. That means, because it means there's a little bounce in the pitches. And if there's bounce in the pitch, then the wrist spinners, the leg spinners will come into play. And I think there'll be even more 
uh, of a threat going ahead uh, once once there's more wear and tear in the pitches because then you'll also get apart from bounce even if the bounce kind of dies or starts dying there'll be more turn there'll be more grip and you know that's going to pose a lot of hardship for the batsman well that's about that for now from the world of IPL as you know there's a whole host of matches coming up one every day so you can never miss out on it and we'll definitely have a lot more to talk about next week among other action from around the world the FIA Junior World Cup for women is underway and the Indian women have done a good job they will be facing England and are in contention for a bronze medal. It was a heartbreaking loss for them against the Netherlands in the semi-finals, but uh, I, I think they've they've shown uh, they've given a very good account of themselves. Ayers. They have, and l- let's remember this is the junior team. They are playing against some of the strongest teams in the world who have come up against Netherlands and lost is fine. But you know you were not disgraced, you were not thumped. Uh, I think it's a very good learning experience, and now uh, playing for a medal against England I think that's this is rich experience this is invaluable and I see Indian hockey men and women's uh, getting ahead in the years to come and especially this year is very big as we know because of the Asian games coming up as well as the Commonwealth games so for both hockey teams the men and women's this is a very big year absolutely well our best wishes to them and let's hope that they're able to bring back a medal for us uh, and we can discuss that on the next episode There's a lot of action around the world with the Formula One Australian GP having just taken place. There's a bit of upheaval happening in the English Premier League, although Liverpool were not able to put one over their title contention opposition, Manchester City, this weekend. And Mumbai City have won an ACL match, the first ever in Indian football history. With that action, here's Somil Arora. Hi folks, welcome back to the Sports Weekly Football section with myself, Somal Arora. And I actually don't know where to begin because this week, there were so many star-studded fixtures in the Champions League, in the Premier League. You know what, let's start with the Champions League actually. Let's go in the order in which they actually happened. And first up, in this quarter-final first leg, we saw Liverpool defeat Benfica 1-3. Again, standard routine stuff. We saw Real Madrid defeat Chelsea 1-3 with Karim Benzema scoring all of Madrid's goals, which is kind of similar to what we've seen so far happen this season with Madrid, right? So then again, you can consider it to be expected because Chelsea also lost their last match to Brentford before this. Then, what about the other fixtures? Man City versus Atletico Madrid. This one was an absolute contrast of styles. Atletico Madrid actually ended up playing with no striker at all. That's right. Atletico parked the bus from the very first minute and ended up having only 29% of the possession, zero shots, zero shots on target, zero attempts on goal. That's what kind of a match this was. An absolute contrast in styles. And Man City seemed like they wouldn't just even get past because Atletico's defense was so staunch. But eventually, it was Kevin De Bruyne who got the winner in the 70th minute. And Atletico after that just looked flustered. They were like, oh, how is our defense penetrable for the first time. And that is, again, a big, big problem for them because in the away leg that's going to come up in a couple of days' time, Atletico, well, they have to score at home and they have to score big time against City, who are a really fluid team. But maybe the home advantage works in their favour. Let's wait and watch. But then the other stunner of the week, Villarreal versus Bayern Munich, a fiction that we thought was going to be completely one-sided, ended up going 1-0 in favour of Villarreal. That's right. Uh, an early winner by Arnaud Danjuma ended up sealing the deal for Villarreal in a really tricky match all the way through with Bayern 
consistently having more possession, consistently creating more chances. But Villarreal, once again, having the more staunch defence at the end of the day, which means that Bayern Munich, when they go back home in a couple of days' time, will have to put an absolute drubbing on Villarreal to get ahead into the semi-finals. But I think that could be expected. But nonetheless, a great performance by them. So, these same fixtures will be repeated in a couple of days' time. We're going to see Bayern Villarreal again with Bayern at home, Real Chelsea at Real Madrid at the Santiago Bernabeu, Atletico Man City at the Wanda Metropolitano, and Liverpool versus Benfica at the Anfield Stadium. So, what are your picks? What are your bets for the teams getting into the semi-finals? Let us know on social media about what you think about this. But genuinely, it's turning out to be extremely close and extremely chaotic all the way through. In the Premier League, though, oh, where I, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know because this was such an unpredictable weekend with, again, a very unclear picture about which team is going to take the title. Because in the highlight fixture of the week, in which I would call the match of the week, City versus Liverpool ended up in a draw. That's right. When on the pitch, you literally cannot separate the two. What an amazing match this was. In the first half, Man City ended up leading 2-1 because they were just very fluid. Thanks to an early Kevin De Bruyne goal, and Gabriel Jesus just putting in the most subtle finish of this entire week that you must watch to put City 2-1 up. But Diego Jota got a goal early in the first half, which was also brilliant. But since, since the halftime mark, Man City were kind of taken aback by how Liverpool was so rampant in the second half. And it kind of it ended up having an immediate impact on them because Sadio Mane scored just a minute after the halftime whistle went off again for the restart. So that was amazing with the kind of intensity that Liverpool came back in the second half. But after that, it was very close, very tight, many chances created, a game that was completely dominated in the midfield for both teams and ended up finishing 2-2. And this means that City have 74 points, Liverpool have 73 points, same number of games played. It'll lead Man City to slip up for Liverpool to get the title, but this late in the season, anything can happen. Otherwise, we saw Brighton beat Arsenal 2-1 in a bit of a surprise. Tottenham beat Aston Villa 4-0. Chelsea returning to winning ways after beating Southampton 6-0. And Everton beating Manchester United 1-0 in the one fixture that you absolutely must avoid this entire week. Because Gary never labelled it as watching a soccer aid match, a charity football match. I, I watched it and it was that bad. The quality of football on offer was terrible. United deserved to lose at the end of the day. A terrible, terrible match to watch. But Brentford also beat, Newcastle, uh, beat West Ham, my apologies, 2-0, which is also a big shocker, which means that the Premier League table is just shuffling around big time. City are in first, as I mentioned, Liverpool behind them uh, at second with one point of a difference. Chelsea remain third with 30 games played and 62 points. Tottenham are fourth, 31 games played and 57 points. Arsenal are fifth. Again, if they win their next match, they can go level with Tottenham on points and also in the matches played. West Ham are sixth with 32 games played and 51 points. United are 7th with 31 games and 51 points. And Wolves are 8th with 32 games played and 49 points. Well, before we wrap off, I've got a really fun news story from the world of football coming up for you. And it's a piece of history made by an Indian club in the AFC Champions League. The Asian Champions League, that is, where Mumbai City FC became the first Indian club ever to register a win in any Asian competition. That's right. Mumbai City FC have finally gone in there and done it. And many ISL teams have tried. Many I-League teams have tried. The likes of Mohan Bagan, Churchill Brothers, Pune FC, East Bengal as well. But this is it. 
no other ISL club or I-League club has done what they have done so far. And it's amazing. They registered this 2-1 win against the Air Force Club of Iraq. And tell you what, it happened in dramatic circumstances as well. Because eventually, Hamadi Hamad scored the first goal for the Air Force Club. But Mumbai City FC came back from behind to win 2-1. With a great comeback. With Diego Mauricio scoring the first goal. And the defender, Raul Beke, scoring the header in the second one. And yes, Mumbai City FC were not the best team in the game. They were not able to control the game the most. They were not able to create the most chances. But what matters in the game of football is not how many chances you create, but how you capitalise on each one you create. And Mumbai City FC did that better than the Air Force Club. And they have made history. It's, it's outstanding. So many great Indian clubs have tried. But finally, Mumbai City FC getting the job done. And then you might be wondering, well... Are they the best club in the ISL? Are they the best club around in India? And in the last season, they actually weren't. Mumbai City FC ended up finishing fifth. That is some, what, 12 points behind the league stage winners, Jamshedpur FC. So it goes to show that Mumbai City FC this past season weren't quite the best. Of course, their qualification in the Champions League has to do with their performance in the previous season. But really, they made each moment count. They made each opportunity count. And to track them throughout this AFC Champions League is going to be a lot of fun. Well, you might be wondering, who are the other teams in the same group as Mumbai City FC? Who do they play next? What's what's the whole circumstance and scenario with them? And can they, in fact, go ahead and do a bit of a surprising thing? Can they go ahead and win it? Well, the clubs involved are Al-Shahab, the Air Force Club, and Al-Jazeera. Of course, all from the Middle East. And now for Mumbai City FC, they've played two, won one and lost one. Their next match is going to be very, very interesting. They're going to play Al Jazeera on the upcoming Thursday. That's just a couple of days from the time I'm recording this episode. And Al Jazeera Club, by the way, have also been on a bit of a losing streak. So this might be a match that Mumbai City FC might be able to win. So that's great stuff if you're an Indian football fan. Let's keep on tracking what happens to them throughout the AFC Football Club. And let's see where they go, actually. right? It's, It's a lovely story, isn't it? A lot just happened at the Melbourne GP, Mr. Fantastic. First time in two years that Formula 1 returned here. And let's just put it this way. This was the most entertaining, boring race that you could have. Now, you might be wondering why exactly was that? And that's a bit of a contrast, isn't it? Well, it was entertaining because the new cars of Formula 1 allow you to follow a lot closer without kind of undermining the challenge of an overtake, which means that we saw a lot of good battles all the way throughout the field. But at the top as well, it was really dominating stuff by Charles Leclerc and Ferrari. I think Leclerc became the first person in history to score a Grand Slam in Melbourne in the month of April. Now, you might be wondering, what's that all about? Well, in the world of Formula 1, a Grand Slam is what happens when you take pole position, set fastest lap and lead every single lap of the race. That is what Leclerc did. A performance that you could say that Rod Labour would be very proud about, considering that the history of tennis is in the, in the city of Melbourne. But... Apart from that, it was kind of assisted by Max Verstappen DNFing midway through the race. Second time in three races that it's happened to him. And it was, again, an engine failure that caused the same thing. So Verstappen is struggling in the championship while Leclerc is winning everything in sight. And the reason why Verstappen is struggling is not pace. Well, pace was a bit of an issue. He was consistently around a second and a second and a half down to Leclerc in the race. But the DNF really cost him a lot of points. The same can be said for Carlos Sainz, who had a very bad weekend. Qualified ninth because of a technical issue in qualifying, which kind of forced him to a, kind of have bad preparations for qualifying, which put him in a bad slot, which, mean, which meant that he was in the midfield at the start of the race, which meant that he kind of got irritated and, and maybe a bit too, uh, what can we say, 
impatient at the start, which meant that he had a crash. It all just followed one after the other. And so Sainz, who kind of had race-winning pace, ended up DNFing on the first lap of the race, which was terrible. But Sergio Perez finished second after an amazing battle with Lewis Hamilton and George Russell. And the Mercedes, well, they seemed to be doing better. They were faster. They finished third and fourth again, their joint best result of the season. But it will take a lot of time for them to get to the level of Red Bull and Ferrari. Apart from that, McLaren finished uh, McLaren finished fifth and sixth, didn't they? With Landon Norris in fifth and Daniel Ricciardo in sixth. A good weekend for them, but don't be too encouraged. It was all down to track characteristics and tyre performance. This might not happen every time, but on the contrary, we might see some other team in P5 all the time because where McLaren won was where Haas lost. Haas was in the same position for the last couple of races. Now suddenly, Haas were in, say, around the lower half of the top 10. So that's interesting to see the kind of performance variations that we have in this entire Formula 1 grid. But all things considered, a great weekend for Formula 1. Over 400,000 fans turned up to Melbourne to watch Charles Leclerc win. And it just goes to show that this new generation of Formula 1 cars can put up an entertaining show that thousands and thousands and thousands of people want to watch live. But folks, next up is the Imola Grand Prix. Formula 1 is going to have a sprint race over there. And hopefully, Red Bull and Max Verstappen are able to have good reliability because we want to see a fight at the top along with all the other battles that are going on. Thank you for listening, folks. And I shall be back right here next week with the updates on the Imola Grand Prix. Bye-bye. Thanks so much, Samil. That was quite an exciting sport weekend and we can't wait for the conclusion of this year's EPL. Uh, my money's still on Liverpool, but then I'm just a diehard fan. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. Do keep liking us, sharing our show and of course, remember to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next week, thank you so much. Thank you, Mr. Fantastic. Catch up next week, by which time I think we should know whether Mumbai Indians and Chennai Super Kings are still relevant in IPL 15 or they've been bumped off. (laughs) Indeed. Have a good week, everyone.